The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with them. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will, bu- will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Um, thank you just that we can come together and gather and worship you and uh, hear just uh, the sermon that you've put on Randall's heart today. God, may you just speak through him uh, into our hearts. God, may you just open up our ears and hearts to hear you. Um, may we just take with it, uh, take the scripture with us uh, throughout the week. God, may it be an encouragement for us and others, God, and may you just uh, equip us uh, with your gospel, God. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bailey. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Vision Sunday. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm the pastor of Grace City. And um, Vision Sunday is one of my favorite times of the year because we, we get to have this opportunity to share what God has done um, in the past, but also look forward to what God is going to do in the future. Um, and so the question is, well, why do we do Vision Sunday? Uh, for us, it, it answers the why of, of why we're here. Uh, many times what can happen is uh, churches can actually get off track uh, from really what the purpose of uh, the church was really meant to be. Um, and so for us, it's a, it's a renewal of, of committing and saying, God, what, what, is, what is it that you want us to do? Why are we here? Um, Peter Greer wrote a book called Mission Drift. And in this book, um, he says, mission true organizations know why they exist and protect their core at all costs. They remain faithful to what they believe God has entrusted them to do. They define what is immutable, their values and purposes, their DNA, their heart and soul. And so for us as a church, we love to come back to what is the vision of what God has uh, placed us here to do, but also what is the mission uh, that he's called us to do as well. Um, So before we jump into today's message, I wanted to, to share this video because this gives a visual of really what we're all about and, and why we're here. Because it's uh, one of our values is a kingdom vision, and so it's not just about what is Grace City doing, but, but what is God doing uh, in our city and in our community. And so check out this video. Praise God, right? See, what we think about when we think about vision, it's not just about what we're doing, but what God is doing uh, through the many ministries that we get to be a part of. And I'm just so thankful. Um, you know, seven years ago, me and my family moved out here to uh, help start Grace City. And to in that time, uh, you know, the, the question for me was, God, what does obedience look like to you? 
Um, but the thing that he's teaching me this year, and I just shared it with a friend, is not just what does obedience look like back then, but what does obedience look like in the present? Not just in the past, but in the present. And so my encouragement is today, as we think about what God is doing and the vision that he's given our church is asking the question, what does obedience look like today? Our text today is from Acts 21, 7 through 14. And as I was on that journey of wrestling, God, what, what do you want me to do? Um, I was at a conference and, and heard this passage uh, preached on, and it hit my heart, and it really gave me an affirmation back then. Uh, so I'm encouraged because as it has us, we are right in this text today as if you've been joining us and, and really journeying with us through the book of Acts. And so that's where we're at today is Acts 21, verses 7 through 14. Um, but our message is this. God's restraining grace. God's restraining grace. See, for many of us, we've probably felt that, that feeling before. Uh, I don't want to do this, but I feel like I, I'm, I'm called to do this. Th this isn't the easiest thing, but if I leave, then I'm running. God's restraining grace. You see, today as we study this passage in the life of Paul, he has a clear sense of God's calling. So much so that he says, I, I, this is something that I must do. And so what does that look like for us? Um, if you're just joining us today, you know, we've been on quite a journey this past year, 2021. Um, there was a lot of transition, right? Not just COVID in, in general, but um, all of us have been through that, but um, we were at the beginning of the year in the middle of, of bouncing from, okay, are we supposed to be at, uh, joining and merging with another church in the community here? Uh, that didn't go through, and so uh, we ended up being at the park. Um, and so if you were joining us, some of you joined us right when we started at the park, and you were there with us. Um, and then uh, this past August, we were able to start meeting back here at UC High School. And I remember just walking the campus, and, and again, just this is where we started as a church, but to be able to walk the campus and, and talk with the, the staff here and them saying, you know, welcome home. Welcome home. We're glad that you're back. Um, but the, through the challenges, through the different things that we've been through this past year, uh, what I realized as I reflected at the end of the year was that there were so many moments of God's grace through it all. So many moments of grace. It wasn't easy, but there was moments of grace. My daughter, Ava, who's eight years old, we were cleaning up her room, and she just turned to me. She says, Dad, remember when we were at the park? I said, yeah. And she says, you know, when it, you preached one of my favorite sermons. It was the sermon about how God owns everything. And what I thought was that in that season, we were all together, right? And we had our kids in, and everybody was a part of it. But that was the first time that my daughter really got to even hear me preach because she was usually in the kids' ministry. But in that season, the sweetness of that season, that she soaked in, that message that's true, that God owns everything. See, what's the thread through everything that we go through in our lives? It's that God was with us. That God was with us. Psalm 104, verse 24 says, How many are your works, Lord? 
In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Right, when we look at our lives, when we look at what we've been through this past year, do we see the reality that, that God is at work, that God is with us, and that God is doing amazing things? Because as I watch videos like that, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with how God is working because it's so much bigger than what I could have anticipated or thought of. See, that's not about our vision. That's about God's vision. What can he do that's beyond what we could have ever thought up? And the question this morning that I ask is, what keeps us in this community? What keeps us here at this school? Well, it's two things. It's God's mission, and I believe it's his restraining grace. That he has kept us here and allowed us to be here as a church community for the years that we've been in existence. See, our vision as a church is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And, and what this is is saying that we are not a church here for ourselves. We are a church here for others and for this community and for this city. See, the grace is not just meant for us to be experienced, uh, but it's also meant to be experienced and shared with other people. God's grace. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that what it's about? That God has placed a gift in your hands and says, don't just take that grace and receive it, but, but share it with others. Sitting with a friend recently, she says, what do, you, what do you think, what type of church is Grace City? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. I guess, you know, like we want to be like a, a, a faithful church, a faithful presence in the community following God. And she says, you know what we are? We're a missional church. We're a missional church. What that means is that God has given us a mission. And so our mission as a church is to equip people with the gospel for everyday life. See, for some of us, you might have grown up in church and you might have said, well, that doesn't really apply to my life. That doesn't really, that's not really practical and it doesn't really work out. But, but to see and look at the gospel and, and see things through the truth of who Jesus is, actually, it has a whole lot to do with your life. It's a whole lot to do with my life. And so our, our mission as a church is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life because you're going to face a lot of things as you go out into the city on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, right? But to be equipped with the message of Jesus. That's what our mission is. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 gives us our, our mission. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What are we here for? We're here to, here to build you up in Jesus, to point you to him, to let you know that, yes, he's with you just as, as much as he's with me and to encourage you in that every day. And so the question today is, will you, will I live on mission by God's grace as long as he has us here in this season? Right, Are you, will I say, Lord, 
It's not about my obedience in the past, but it's my obedience in the present. Will you help me to be obedient in the present? Because what we find in today's text in Acts uh, 21, 7 through 14, is that the apostle Paul has been obedient to God as Jesus met him on the, uh, on the road to Emmaus, as, as he was, he was um, or, or Damascus, he was going to Damascus, and, and he meets him on the road. And he says, Paul, your life is going to be different. Your life is not going to be about yourself anymore and thinking about who you think I am, but I'm going to show you who I am. And so Paul has been on this journey, and, and we find Paul on this last missionary journey. He's on this third missionary journey. You see, and God had given him this mission, but he'd also spoken to him directly, specifically about what we're going to look at today. Because in Acts 20, 22 through 23, he was given a message. He, 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 he said that I'm going to Jerusalem. And you know what he says? He says, I'm constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and affliction await me. So the Apostle Paul had a mission, but he says, I am constrained by God to do it. It's the restraining grace of God. This is, this is what I was meant to do. This is, this is where my life is headed. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so we looked at how he told his friends this in Acts 21, that he's going to go to Jerusalem and it was excruciating. It was excruciating for his friends to hear this because um, in many ways they, they, they knew that this would be the last time that they see him. It would be the last time. And so what can we learn about God's restraining grace? What, what can we learn about, about praying into and saying, God, I need you to help me to know what to do, where to go, how to do it. Because I don't know. What does that look like? Well, th- we see three things that we learn from this text today from the Apostle Paul and what God is doing in his life and eventually in the churches that he, he meets with. But the first one is stay the course. The second is count the cost. And the third is trust God's voice. Stay the course, count the cost, trust God's voice. So let's start by looking at verses seven through eight. When he had finished the the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Telemus and and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him. And so what we find out is as we think about staying the course is that the Apostle Paul has been on a very strenuous journey. His journey uh, from Tyre uh, was a 25-mile journey. Uh, Caesarea was about a 40-mile journey. But in all of his missionary journeys, Paul has traveled over 10,000 miles. A 10,000-mile journey. And can you imagine along the way that there had to be moments where he said, I'm tired. What does this look like? Where am I going this time? It was literally trusting God one step at a time and asking God, where is it that I am to go next? But on top of that, the times that he stays in certain places, he builds relationships, deep relationships, friendships. 
that are lasting friendships. And so on top of all of the journeys and all of the travel and all of the memories is that there are heartbreaking goodbyes. We see that there is this scene at the beginning of, of Acts 21 where it's this, they're, they're kneeling on the beach, they're praying together, and they're saying farewell to one another. This is a deep connection that is now being torn apart. As Paul, it says, and you see the pattern here of his journeys, it says that he greeted, he stayed, he departed. He greeted, he stayed, he departed. Can you imagine how tiring that would have been? It says that he meets up with Philip. We find that um, Philip is the same Philip that we find um, in Acts 8 who shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. And so we've studied that passage, but was, uh, also it says one of the seven. And, and so Philip was one of the deacons that was set aside uh, in Acts chapter 6. And so he was one of the seven. And, and throughout this, Paul is seeing friends and people who served the Lord along the way and along this journey. Uh, but he stayed the course. Do you know the prayer that, that, that Paul prays many times in different letters that he writes? He says that I would just finish the race. That I would just run the race in which God has laid out for me. I, I've done a half marathon. I've made, uh, you know, the, 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 the dreams, the thoughts that maybe I might do a, a full marathon someday, but, but the memories of the, the half marathon come back in my mind, and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know about that. You got to think, like, the Apostle Paul's probably just exhausted from all of the journeying and all of the things that he's been through He's literally been beaten to the point of where people thought he was dead. But he stayed the course. See, we need to remember that it was trusting God one day at a time, one step at a time. That's what his life was. Second, it's count the cost. Look, look at verses 10 through 11. Um, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet, his hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Thank you, Agabus. Appreciate that. Like that, what a, what, a, what a word, right? Like what an encouraging word for, for this journey that I'm on right now. Agabus is a prophet. Uh, Acts, we, we see Agabus, he was actually back in Acts 11, 28 through 30. Um, he prophesied about a famine that happened. Um, there was a collection taken up for the churches. And so we know that Agabus is the real deal, Right? He wasn't just saying this, but he traveled and journeyed down to meet with Paul because he believed that God had said, you need to share this with him. You need to tell him this. See, Agabus was delivering a message from God. And what we need to understand is it wasn't a prohibition like, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, because he doesn't say that. But it was a prediction 
about what was coming. This is what is coming. See, what was this message about? It was about Paul counting the cost. But it wasn't just about Paul counting the cost. It was also his friends and people around him as well counting the cost. Jesus said to count the cost of what it means to follow him. See, it looks different for everyone's life. I mean, me and my family weren't the only ones who moved out to be a part of this church. But there are many others who, who counted the cost, Billy and Mary, others who, who came along the way to count the cost and say, what does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to be a part of this? See, it's so close to me because even this week, my wife, uh, Laura, said that um, before we'd moved, she, she said that she was laying down uh, one of our babies, Ava, in her crib, the one that I shared with you earlier about now she's eight, but she's a baby at the time. And Laura said that there was a song that popped into her head by a group called Rain Collective. It's called The Cost. And I, wanted, and I looked at the lyrics this week and I thought just how powerful this is because here's what it says. It says, I'm saying yes to you and no to my desires. I'll leave myself behind and follow you. I'll walk the narrow road because it leads me to you. I'll fall, but grace will pick me up again. I've counted up the cost. I've counted up the cost. Yes, I've counted up the cost. And you are worth it. I do not need safety as much as I need you. You're dangerous, but Lord, you're beautiful. I'll chase you through the pain. I'll carry my cross because real love is not afraid to bleed. Jesus, take my all. Take my everything. I've counted up the cost and you're worth everything. You see, back in Acts 20, verse 22, when it talks about, um, the, the Apostle Paul talks about how the Spirit constrained him. He said the Spirit constrained him that he must do this thing. Well, in Acts 21, verse 11, as, uh, as Agabus is, is sharing this message with Paul, he uses the same word when he talks about how Paul, if you, if you take this belt, he says that it will be bound, he will be bound, the person who goes will be bound by the Jews in Jerusalem. The person who owns this belt. The word is deo, binding. Same word, that there's a cost of you going to Jerusalem and you will be bound. But back in Acts 20, verse 22, he already knew that he was bound by the Holy Spirit. God had bound him. God had led him. And so when he comes to this message of hearing it from Agabus, it's not new information for him. He knew. Why? Because he'd already counted the cost. God's restraining grace, strength, Ability beyond what Paul had within himself to face the hardships. See, because it was about trusting God's voice. This is the third point. Verse 12 through 14. When we heard this, we and the people were urged, we, they urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the, the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Many points in the passages that we see in the book of Acts is they call them the we passages. And so in the we passages, um, the author, who's Luke, is including himself in what is happening here. He's sharing that he was there experiencing with everyone, but also he was a part of what was happening. And do you know what's a part of the we passages? It, well, it says, when we heard this, so Luke is saying he heard what Agabus said, Paul's going to be bound, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. See, it wasn't just people who heard it, but it was Luke who was saying, yeah, I was telling Paul this is not a good idea. I'm telling Paul, uh, yeah, don't go. See, the voices of Paul's friends are getting louder. These are people he loves. These aren't like critics, right? Just critiquing his plan. These are friends coming to him and saying, hey, I don't know about this. Paul's friends are getting louder, but God's voice was clear. God's voice was clear. And so when we're listening to God's voice, like what, what can we learn from this from the Apostle Paul? Like there are two parts here that we see. The first is the, Paul's response. Verse 13, he says, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? So we find that Paul is, he, the, the people are like not just pleading with him, but they're in tears. His friends are in tears. He's brought his friends to tears because he shared with them, this is what God is calling me to do. And then they hear this message. He says, you're breaking my heart. Now what this is, is this vivid picture in, in the, the, the phrase and the, the words that are used here is often used of like beating clothes to clean them. You know, like taking the rug outside and like you're just like slamming it, like getting all the dirt and the dust and everything off of it. Like that's how Paul's emotions are feeling right in this moment. His heart feels like it's just being ripped out of his chest and just shaken. But Paul essentially tells them, I've counted the cost. I've counted the cost. What does it look like to follow Jesus that there's going to be a cost? He says, I've already counted the cost. He says it. He says, for I am, not, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul knew that there was going to be a cost involved in following God. But he says, essentially, I've already counted that. And so what were the people's response? Verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Let the will of the Lord be done. 
See, as Paul is in alignment with God's will, his friends start to see that this is God's plan. His will. See, there's a trust that Paul was in God and in God's plan that encourages the people to trust that God's plan is sufficient. That God is able. And that in the midst of the difficulty that Paul's life was in God's hands. And ultimately that their lives were in God's hands too. I saw something from a friend recently. He quoted this and I thought it was powerful and it just really helped me as I was processing even this, this year of like, what does it look like for me to be obedient to God now? What is my family to be obedient to God now? Like, what does that look like? And he talked about a, a woman named Corey Tenboom who was faithful to God in the midst of Nazi Germany as she was imprisoned and put into a concentration camp. One of the things she says was, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And, and that, that hit me because it was like, what is, what is happening here? They are trusting their future, unknown future, gets bits and pieces, but doesn't know every step in the plan, but trusting to a known God. Let the will of the Lord be done. And so just some takeaways. What, what can we take away as a church in 2022? The first one is this. Staying the course happens when we listen to Jesus first. What is, what, what, what is Grace City ultimately? It's God's church. It's Jesus' bride. Jesus said that my sheep will, will, will know my voice and they'll follow me. And so what is the encouragement uh, as, as we come into this next year that, that I encourage you with and, and bring to you today? It's, it's that as we study this text, as we look at our, our church body, it ultimately is, is God's. Like, are we growing closer to Jesus? Is Jesus first? Is Jesus priority? Because I've been in church environments where Jesus wasn't mentioned. We gather. We have a nice time together. There's not much Jesus. And the question is, what is this? The church is Jesus' bride. So the question is, how do we grow closer to Jesus? See, one of the beautiful things in Scripture that, that it, it, it points out, Jesus points out, he, he says this. He says in John 15, 14, you are my Friends. Friendship with God. The, the fact that, that we have the God of the universe who says, I call you a friend. I've just been astounded by that recently. Just the thought that, that God wants to be friends with me, but he also wants to hear from me and, and to speak to me. Right, as we enter into this year, 
Will you hear from God this year? Or are you asking, how do I hear from Jesus? Is that a priority in my life? Or am I just listening to the voices all around me? Because there's a lot of voices, friends, and there's a lot of voices that are pulling us from here to there to everywhere. For me, I'm just asking God, how do I clear some of the clutter from my life so that I can truly hear from you? Because I'm easily distracted. But the fact that you call me a friend and you want to spend time with me and you want to be near to me, what a gift. Collectively as a church, are we here for Jesus? Right? Is that the priority? Because that's the encouragement that you'll get each week. That's, that's just our church. That's what we're going to be about. You know, it's just a, a gospel-centered, Christ-exalting church. We're going to point to his word. My encouragement is grow in him. Next, counting the cost is about obeying God's will. Counting the cost is about obeying God's will. See, this is an exercise of saying, Lord, what does it look like to hear from you? What does it look like to, to, to listen to you? Because also in John 15, verse 14, he says, if you do what I command you, right? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Hold on, so you're telling me to do some things, Lord? You're actually calling me to, to be obedient to you? See, for me, the, 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 the thing that, that me and my wife and our family, we just kind of gathered around and says, like, what does obedience look like now? What does it look like today? What does it look like this year? Lord, let's pray and like, Lord, help us to know what obedience now looks like. Because again, the Apostle Paul, if you looked at his life, he could have lived off of the past obedience that he had. Wow. He did what? He was where? He, he did all these things. He traveled 10,000. Like, he's got to take a break. Like, you get a pass, right? Like, he said, no. What does obedience look like for me right now? And so the question is, as you think about your life and your job, I'm, I'm about to turn 40 this year, y'all. I'm about to turn 40. And my question is, okay, what does obedience look like in my 40s? That if the Lord will it, my 50s, my 60s, my 70s. Like, nothing's promised, but Lord, am I being obedient to you? Lastly, one more thing. If you take the time to count the cost of following Jesus, what you're going to do is you're going to start to see the blessings of following Jesus. You know that? You're going to start to see the blessing of like, wow. Thank you, Lord. Like, yeah, this past year, it might have been tough. It was, there was a lot going on. But like, look at all the things that you've done. I think I need these things, but actually you've given me everything I need. So if you like actually take the time to think about the cost, but also you're going to start to see all the blessings of like, wow. Thank you, Lord. You're so gracious. Lastly, trusting God's voice leads to greater gospel good. 
Trusting God's voice leads to greater gospel good. What, like, what, what's, what, what is it at the end of the day? Is it, is it for us to just be a church that does good deeds? Or is our church about sharing the good news and being focused on sharing the good news? Mark 8, 36 through 38 says, for, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We read scriptures like this and it, it just, like what, like thinking about that. Right, thinking about that. Like what does it profit to gain the whole world and forfeit soul. Like I was just talking with a friend this morning as we were getting ready for service. He's like, you can accumulate everything. But what if it's empty? All of it. Friends, I want to encourage you. Trusting God's voice leads to greater gospel good. And so the question is this year, are we like in this? not just doing it to get through it, but like in this to hear from him. In this to hear what God is saying and say, Lord, like, it's about what you're doing. Because it's that prayer, right? What did the people pray? Let the will of the Lord be done. Why? Because they believed that the Lord could actually do more than what they could do on their own. What do we see today of being this, this small little church that's been here for six years by the grace of God going into our seventh year? Like, what does it look like to say, let the will of the Lord be done? Because he goes beyond the, the walls here on a Sunday morning. God is much bigger than just a gathering at UC High School. And so the prayer is, Lord, do the gospel good that's greater than what we can see. See, may we never be ashamed of Jesus and his gospel, but may we always be transformed by the good news, God's news. See, as we wrap up here, where, where did Paul get this type of focus for the mission? Was it in his own strength? No. You see, many commentators and scholars believe that as Paul in this Acts 20 to 21 is moving out of this last missionary journey, his life is starting to mirror when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden, Jesus said this. It says in Luke 22, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And that same word, he withdrew, 
is the same word. This is why people make the connection in Acts 21, verse 1, where it says, when he had departed, when he had parted from them. And so what this word is is encapsulating is like this excruciating withdrawal that happens. And Luke is the writer of Acts, just like he's the writer of Luke. (laughs) And he's making this parallel and this connection of saying that Paul's life started to mirror his Savior's life because ultimately Paul knew what was done for him. He knew it was done. And so how could the people, how could Paul say, let your will be done? Because ultimately Jesus prayed in Gethsemane and said, Lord, Father, let your will be done. And the the done part was on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus says, it's finished. It's done. He shouted it. It is finished. See, as Paul knew his life was in the hands of the one who had the scars, he knew that he could trust him. And as the people saw the Savior, in which the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. They saw that same Savior. They said, our, our life can be in the hands of the one who said it's all done as well. So church family, let's be that church who just steps out in faith, trusts God by the restraining grace of God, asks God, what does it look like for me to be obedient to you? And pray that prayer, let your will be done. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for that that grace that calls us into things that we would have never done. But you are the one who is sufficient. You are the one who calls us. You are the one who leads us. And you don't lead us without saying that it's, it's all taken care of first in you. And so, Lord, may we rest in the same gospel that the Apostle Paul rested in, the, the people that were his friends, his dear friends, rested in. And may we pray together that same prayer, Lord, let your will be done. Let the will of the Lord be done. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.